0: When Mark asked me to uh, talk this uh, Sunday, he sticks me with the Sunday after Christmas every year, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> he likes to go away. Uh, but I, I started thinking, like, wh- what do I want to talk about? You know, we're getting ready to go into s- a small group focus. We're getting, you know, we've ended uh, the, the past series that, that Mark was on with the family and some of the temptations that families uh, face. And it's like, what do I want to talk about? And this thing has been stuck in the back of my mind for quite some time, and I'm like, I, I just kept thinking, I was like, no, I don't want to do it because it's a little bit, <sighs> it's a little bit in your face, step on some toes, I'm like, I don't know. And, but I just kept thinking about it, and every time I would come back to, okay, what I want to talk about, this just kept coming back, so uh, this is not a normal message that that I would deliver and... You may feel like your toes are being stepped on, but please understand, I feel like my toes are going to be stepped on too. So uh, this is not to, to make you feel uh, guilty or uh, or anything. It's just some things that I have learned or observed over really my, my life, but specifically over these past couple years in, in this church, and I think we really need to uh, to tackle some of those issues. But a little background about myself, if you're not familiar, I've shared this before so you, you've most of you've probably heard it but I literally grew up in the church I mean my mom was church secretary I was born the ne- very next Sunday I was in church you know I had the perfect little, if you remember growing if you ever if you grew up in church you remember in Sunday school you used to get those little pins every year for perfect attendance while mine was dangling down here it was like I was there almost every time the doors were open uh, my mom was secretary and uh, I was taught to be involved in the church and uh, growing up in Beardstown is where I'm from, uh, you know, I decided to go to a Christian college because that's what I thought Christian teens were supposed to do. So I went to Lincoln Christian College and majored in youth ministry. Realized that was awful at youth ministry. <laughs> so I got out of that quickly. But I've been involved with, I was just counting the past couple of weeks, I was like, I've been involved in eight different churches. I think this is our eighth, and we've been here what, it's 11, 12 years maybe somewhere around there, uh, but I've been involved in big churches, I've been involved in little tiny churches, uh, and I've been involved with the, what we would consider a medium-sized church here, and you know, I went to a Christian uh, grade school and junior high in, in the church that I was a part of in Beardstown, so uh, I've been around church for a long time. doesn't make me a church expert uh, any more than some of you would be consider yourself church experts, but I have noticed some things along the way. And one thing that you may have heard if you've been in the church for any amount of time is that there's a phrase, sort of a saying, a mantra that goes around and you'll hear it in probably pretty much every church. I heard it at, at college and and you've probably heard the work that 10% of the people in the church do 90% of the work, right? Some of us have most of us have maybe heard that. And as I think about that, as I thought about it, I was like, it's sort of a sad statement. And so what I want to do is I want to address each one of those groups. I want to address the 10% that feel like they're doing 90% of the work, and I want to address the 90%. First, I'll address the bigger group, the 90%. This is, again, not to make you feel guilty. And some, some of you here, and I don't want to point fingers, you all know who you are. Some of you here are Sunday morning people, right? You, you show up on Sundays, and you, you may give your offering, and then you go home, and that's it. And you are more than welcome here. Don't Please don't understand. Uh, I'm not kicking you out and asking you to leave. We understand that... Uh, And then we know that there are some even that are are Christmas and Easter and and Thanksgiving and some special holiday Christmas people. And again, you are more than welcome here as well. Visitors, you're welcome here. Everybody is welcome here. But as I started thinking about that that phrase, you know, 90% of the people are not actively involved in the church. It saddens me a little bit. Because, yes, the church... Is missing out on that, but I think the biggest thing is, I think you're missing out on that. See, I think I think you're missing out on being involved, being plugged in, finding, building those relationships that come within the church. Um, so I encourage you to just think about that, to to th- to try to find a place to fit in. One of the things that I love about my home church growing up so much, and I I respect them so much for this, is that we started out in a very small church, much smaller than what we have across the, the alley here, very small. It was almost like a house, you know, maybe 13, 14 wooden pews, you know, old wooden uh, churches that you can imagine. Um, and we started small, and then we built a bigger building, probably maybe, I don't know, probably smaller than this, but um but then again they added on a a christian elementary school but the way that they did it and i love this and i respect this forever and i'm proud of this is the way they did it was that every member in that church built that building every building that we built now they have four they have three three school buildings and then the original church all of the members built Every Saturday, when it was time to come a new building, or when it was time to build a new building, everybody would come on Saturday mornings, and they would work. You would have men, women, children there working on this building, pouring concrete, putting up bricks, nailing nails, whatever else. (laughs) I can't remember what I did because I'm not very good at construction. I helped a little bit. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, But the foreman was just a member of the church and each one each time we built buildings i go back and i have this sense of ownership the sense of pride seeing that this church that i helped build with my own hands you can look at the brick say "Ah, i laid that brick i poured this concrete i hit my thumb (laughs) right there right my mom uh, every saturday she would go make chili you know awesome chili um, and, and feed it to the, to the men. And it was just a great time for bonding. Nobody was preaching a sermon. Nobody was teaching. Nobody was reciting memory verses. Nobody was singing, or playing an instrument. They just all come together and built these buildings. And it was just a fantastic representation of the body of Christ and the work that can be done if you work together. And I think for those that, that aren't involved, I think you're missing out on that. You know, we have a lot of opportunities here, not just standing on this stage. Yeah, maybe you think this is the cool stuff, right? You get to stand in front of a mic, you play guitar. By the way, it's my son back there. Embarrassed him now, but like got to be a proud papa. Um but yeah, this is probably, you know, you think of this as being the cool stuff. The, the pre, you know, the preaching is obviously cool <laughs> cuz I'm doing it. Just kidding. No. But you think about people in the, in the front here, you think about the greeters, we have many opportunities that do not require you to be up here. Some of you are scared to death to talk in front of people, I know, because I used to be one of them. You don't have to volunteer to talk in front of anybody, you don't have to volunteer to be a Sunday school teacher, but we have a lot of different opportunities that are available for you that can fit your particular talents, your skills, your skills. Your likes and dislikes. So I encourage you to find a place to get plugged in. Try something new. You'd be you might be amazed. Um, Just I encourage you to to, to try to get involved because what happens is you build this community of people. And when they're and the thing that'll blow you away is that when when a time comes where you or somebody you know is in need and the church steps up, maybe it's to to provide meals. For someone that's sick, or someone that just had a baby, or providing meals for funeral dinners, or whatever it is, you, you'll see a church rise up to gather around people. Uh, remember when Michael Stoffer was sick, we had a benefit here for him. and The church comes together, donates things, and, and, it, and it's an amazing experience. And I, I think you're missing out if you're not involved with that. Um, that's, that's my challenge to you. I do want to say that there are probably some of you that are in that group that say, well, listen, I volunteered for something. I signed up for some ministry uh, a couple years ago, and I've never been called. Nobody's ever called me about it. And I think that's true, and I'm going to address that in a second. But I encourage you to follow up on it. Like If you sign up for a ministry and you haven't heard something from somebody that's either the ministry leader or somebody else on, the, on that team or doing that, Follow up. Say, hey, when can I start doing this? When when can I start? And along those same lines, as Wyatt mentioned, the small groups, get plugged in to a small group. Find a Sunday school class. We have lots of different Sunday school classes with lots of different personalities. And you're like, oh, it's another hour of my Sunday. I'm a busy person. I understand. But make that commitment, especially to a small group. If you can get into a small group and build those relationships it's amazing the power of that. The small group that we are involved in, we've been together for, oh my gosh, forever, seems like. We all seem to be getting older, which is funny. You know, The gray hair is starting to, starting to surface, and people are getting old. But we have been together long enough. We laugh together. We cry together. When there's needs, we rise up together. And it's just a great experience, and I encourage you to, to, to try to get plugged in to a small group. And a Sunday school class, it's well worth the time. But when you do something, commit to it as well. If you say yes to something, if somebody asks you to do it, and you say yes, be there. Do what you're asked to do. Don't say yes and then come up with an excuse. Oh, I don't know, so and so. If you're asked to do something, do it. Or find a valid replacement if something, obviously, emergencies come up. So some of us in this room need to say yes more need to say yes when asked to do something. Now I want to address, and a lot of times this, this is where pretty much everybody ends it. Like they talk to the group, that, to the, the bigger group. But I want to talk more to the other group. You might get a little squirmy here if you feel that you're a part of that group that does all the work. All right? I want to talk to you for a minute. Number one is there are members in here. There are people in here that have signed up for ministries. Maybe your ministry, and they've not been contacted. Follow up on that. Call them. Talk to them. Get them plugged in. You see, especially if we are ministry team leaders, what we call our, what we used to call deacons now, we call ministry team leaders. And the purpose of that position is to lead. I know for a fact that there are a lot of us here, because I'm one of them. That when we get into a position of leadership or if it's leading a group or organizing some event or doing something, let's face it, it is a heck of a lot easier to what? To do it yourself. Right? Just like, just like at home, like, oh forget it, I'll just do it. Right? It's so it's so difficult, you know, to to call people, to organize it. Well, I don't want to bother them, even though they said they'd help. I, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna. You know, whatever the excuse is, but if we 're called if you've volunteered or accepted a ministry leadership position, lead we are called by Jesus to make disciples right? build those relationships with people lead, involve them do it it 's well worth it because something that i 've found is that within that group, within that smaller 10% group that feel that they do all the work, number one, there's a lot of dissension that starts to surface, a lot of bitterness. I feel like I'm the only one that's doing anything around here, right? And you start to look on people, and you start to name names. Why aren't they doing anything, right? And you become bitter. So then you're coming to church with this face, you know, looking around at people, people like, Can't you do something around here. Right? Like it's at home. We have the tendency to do that. And that's one of the dangers. But another danger that I don't think we often realize that I have witnessed firsthand. There is such a thing, I am convinced, as church addiction. I've witnessed it firsthand. My mom was here, was at the church every time those doors were open. Whatever the event was, whatever the, th- the purpose was, she was at this church. She was at the church working, extra hours, getting bulletins done, you know, uh, getting whatever done. She would spend almost all of her time in the church. Some of you have probably heard of pastors whose families have been torn apart because the pastor has poured himself in to the church so much that he's neglected his family. That is possible. Being involved in church is great, but it cannot come at the cost of your family. It just can't. So if you find yourself, or if your family finds you putting too much time in the church, you need to reevaluate your priorities. And sometimes, some of us need to say yes more, but there are some of us that need to say no more. Say, no, I've got enough on my plate. Because you can get burned out. Your family can get burned out. And it can cause all sorts of bitter feelings and strife inside the church. You know, you have the story of Mary and Martha. Mary, Mary, Mary and Martha. Everybody heard this story, right? Jesus comes to their house. Martha's behind the scenes doing all the prep work, doing all the cleanup, doing all the cooking. And Mary's just out there like a lazy bum in front of, at the feet of Jesus, right? A lot of you associate with Mary or Martha right you're like and you can imagine yourself going through in the in the kitchen you know you start to do dishes and it's all quiet like and then you start to realize that Mary's not coming and then you start to do a little bit louder right the dishes become a little bit louder start to bang around a little bit more the cabinets start to be a little bit little louder then you then you start stomping around like trying to get the attention of of Mary right Martha's there's a lot of Martha's here come on I know confess And you're like, I can't believe I'm doing all the work. She's out there, you know, getting to talk to Jesus, and I'm in here working. We all probably can associate with Martha to some degree. But sometimes that's how we feel when we come into the church. This this small group of people is like looking around like, am I the only one that cares? Am I the only one that does anything around here? And you start to become bitter, and it starts to affect relationships. So I challenge the bigger group, say yes more to the smaller group. Sometimes you need to say no and evaluate your priorities and involve the people that have said they wanted to help. I'm going to get a little bit more specific, even though there's only two of you here. But the smaller group, including the staff members here, there, there is a tendency, I know, again, because I remember volunteering. I remember being leaders and finding volunteers. When we have to find volunteers, who do we ask? The yes people, right? That small 10% of people that we know that are going to say yes. I challenge you, I, I beg of you to find somebody that isn't involved. Try to involve them. You're probably going to get some more no's than you would like. But again, our job is to make disciples, to involve people in the church. The reason that I'm bringing all of this up, you're like, Ooh, this is not a great Christmas after Christmas sermon. It's not a, you know, fluffy one like we usually hear from you. The reason that I bring this up and the reason that I, I want to talk about it today is because if we do not have our house in order here, it's going to be a lot harder to do our job out there. If we're not together if we are not a, a one body as Paul would say working together for the kingdom then we are going to have a really hard time shining our light into this world and let's face it we look around this world is dark dark this world needs Jesus and for us to bring Jesus going to be a lot better if we can get all of our stuff inside figured out right our job is to be a light into this world and if our light is dim it's because we don't have our stuff together jesus said in in mark i believe it's chapter five it might be three uh but actually jesus says and abraham lincoln stole it a house divided against itself cannot stand you've heard that phrase uh, from jesus and abraham lincoln it's funny that jesus actually was talking about the house of satan when he when he said that but i think we all understand that 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 is that does relate to the church as well if we are divided if we are that's first service and this is second service and that's this is the group that does the work and this is the group that doesn't do anything if we are divisive like that then we're not very united And so I bring this up. I want to talk about all of this and all of these things because we need to do better with our housekeeping here so that we can do better out there. And there's one more thing that I want to talk about. And this has been more prevalent, I think, in the last couple of years. And, and it's hard to say it. And I, I, there might be squirming. and I, I, I don't mean for that. But inside this church building today, there are broken relationships. Whether it be over something said, differing of opinions, hurt feelings, something that goes back way longer than you can even remember what it was about. But inside this church, there are broken relationships. There are people that are not united. There are people that can't even look at each other in the face. I know there are. Take care of it. Find in your heart forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul talks about, he talks about all these different spiritual gifts and all these things that, that people sort of get jealous of. And he talks about, oh, well, inside the church in Corinth, there were people that wanted other people's gifts. And it caused all sorts of problems among them well then paul goes into he says well the church is one body functioning together as one unit the body of christ and he says each part functions differently but if one part doesn't function at all then the whole body suffers right this first corinthians chapter 12 there is no coincidence in my mind that what comes after first corinthians 12 no trick question first corinthians 13 right which is the what Anybody? I heard it. The love chapter. It's not about marriage, folks. It's about the church. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am nothing. You may not see eye to eye with somebody. You may not ever have a relationship that you would call a good friend. But you can move on from the conflict, find forgiveness in your heart, and move on. Maybe you will mend that relationship so that you can be friends again. I don't know. But I know that there is this freedom in forgiveness. It's freeing. You have this load on your chest. And maybe somebody in this room doesn't even know you have something against them or have hurt feelings. But when you share that, it's a weight lifted off of your chest. I had a... God works in really mysterious and funny ways sometimes. When I was probably a junior in high school, again, I decided to go to Lincoln Christian College and uh, paid a college visit. And I stayed with somebody there that was, I think, a sophomore at the time. And I stayed with it. I was like, man, I just don't like this guy. Seems like a kiss-up. I don't like kiss-ups. Seems like a kiss-up. He seems like a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky, you know, kind of a, You know, stiff neck, not really very funny. He didn't think I was funny, which, (laughs) come on, man. Didn't like my jokes, didn't find my humor. Like, I just don't like this guy. I was like, is this what all the LCC people are like? Because if it is, I don't want to go. Well, I ended up going. And of course, I stayed in the same dorm where he was an RA because he was a junior at the time. So he was a resident advisor, and I'm like, the two years that I'd spent with him, I still wasn't that impressed. <laughs> like, I still don't like you. You still don't think I'm funny, and that's not okay. Uh, and you're still a kiss-up. Um, but he was, you know, he was one of those kinds that was all about his, all about his schoolwork and all about, you know, being um, the RA and a teacher's advisor by the time. And, you know, you know the, the type. And it, I'm more of a free, fun-loving kind of person didn't take school very serious at all, and uh, he was, and so we never got along. Never saw eye to eye. Well, Amy and I got married, and we moved to Springfield, and we started attending uh, Southside Christian Church. If you're, if you're familiar with it, on MacArthur Street, and the very first—I think—the very first Sunday that we officially decided to come there, the, the church was without a youth minister. You know, this is where this is going, right? And I'll be darned if they didn't decide to hire this guy. I'm like, no. Amy and I were like, looking like, are you kidding me? Because neither one of them were real fond of the guy. I'm like, no. Because we in, in, a, in the churches that we've been involved in, even though I, was, I stunk at youth ministry, being the actual youth minister, we still were involved uh, in the churches and we volunteered for the youth ministry. But we're like, I can't believe you're hired. Do you know this guy? Oh man the youth are not going to like him at all but in the the funny thing happened in the five or six years that we were in springfield uh he became one of my best friends even so much the fact that you know growing up in the church you learn that pastors that ministers leave Um, they come and go and you don't want to get too attached just, that's just a fact of life. And I see my mom. My mom used to get really attached to uh, some ministers. And every time they would leave, it would just break her heart. And so, you know, you get a little bit hardened to it over, over time. But I can remember when, when, this, uh, when this friend decided to finally move on, um, that, that was one of the times that I was really sad to see somebody go. One of my best friends. Um, and it's funny how that works. It's like, I hated the guy. I did not, did not like the guy at all. But the reason I bring him up is because he did something, his very last Sunday, that I will forever remember. See, he was a youth minister, obviously, like like I said, but this is the late 90s, so if any of you were in the church uh, growing up, you know that the late 90s, the mid-90s is really where the worship ministry thing kind of took off. You know, churches started getting worship ministers and paying people to lead worship, and... And uh, well, South Side was no different. They ended up getting a, a youth minister or a, a music minister at the time and during the I think the three years that the music minister and my friend was the youth minister there together, my friend had really bitter, quite frankly jealous feelings towards this youth minister. You know, he was the young and the cool, the hip worship minister, he got the bigger budget, he got the fancy lights he got you know he got the bigger salary, even though. My friend was there longer. You know, he got paid more, and it really affected. I mean, he really had these bitter, jealous feelings towards this towards this guy for years, three years, I, I think. Well, that final day that uh, my friend was there at the church, he got up at the end of the service and he confessed. He confessed to this worship minister. He said, "I'm sorry." You know, I've not treated you well over the past three years because I've been jealous. And he continued to apologize in front of 500 people at this church. He started to apologize to him, Tears flowing down his face. He admitted he was wrong. And he asked for forgiveness. I'll never forget that day. We need to do that more. Confession, forgiveness, grace, love important and if we can't be that unified body of christ working together for one goal and that's to spread the gospel message to the world if we can't be that body then we're failing and we're failing so some of us need to say yes more some of us need to say no more And some of us need to mend those relationships that are broken let's pray Father, we come to you thankful for the love and grace you have given us. We do not deserve it. But God, as we, a body of believers dedicated to spreading the gospel message, God, may we find the wisdom and the strength to unite, to work together to one common goal, and that is to be your light to this dark world. God, I pray if there are relationships here today that are broken, I pray that you use the Holy Spirit to mend the relationship, to bring people together. God, we want to be your light. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue to worship.